All right. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Sticks Golf Roundtable. This week, I was away, so Trey and Rosie are going to take the lead. Uh, our pod is with Lester George. Um, he is a very well-known architect around the East Coast area, did Cavalier Golf and Yacht Club, my home course, Valley Hack, Kinlock, which is one of the most one of the premier golf courses in the country. Just a very, very knowledgeable guy. Uh, really, really great speaker. And this will be the first of many pods with Lester. So I hope you guys enjoy and let's just get right to it. All right, folks, welcome to a special edition of the Sticks Golf Roundtable. We are thrilled to have um, a very uh, interesting guest with us this evening. We're, we're just absolutely thrilled to welcome Lester George um, of George Golf Design to, uh, to, to the podcast with us this evening. We've also got Trey Wren. Welcome, Lester. Welcome, Trey. How are we doing, gentlemen? Great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, glad to be back. I've had a couple of weeks off and... Uh... This is, a, this is a special one, so I'm, I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So tonight, we really just wanted to introduce our audience to you, Lester, and really thought we could start off by just asking who you are and, and what you do, and, and um, go ahead and give us sort of your backstory. It would be fantastic. Well, I'm a, I'm a member of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, um, native of Richmond, uh, traveled the world uh, with my father, who was an Air Force pilot for the first 18 years of my life, uh, and then settled down here, went to University of Richmond. Um, thought I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon, but the uh, the Army got in the way of that. <laughs> uh, when I signed up um, in, I guess, 73 to uh, go into ROTC, uh, the war was still on in Vietnam, but by the time I graduated, the war was over. So they didn't need any more doctors. So I, uh, I went to field artillery school at Fort Sill and <clears throat> became pretty proficient at, at terrain uh, analysis and reading topo and played a lot of golf at Fort Sill and combined those two things and uh, decided since they didn't need any more doctors, I um didn't want to give them eight years so i thought i'd give them the traditional four and uh started trying to combine those skills and um started chasing a dream of becoming a golf course architect which took me a bunch of years but finally um hooked up with a a member of the american society of golf course architects algie pulley who was from petersburg but then living in california and we made an agreement for me to work with him for almost three and a half years. And um, I apprenticed under him and got into it uh, on my own in late 89, early 90. I became, um, I, I left him and went out on my own. So I've been doing it now for 32 years on my own. And uh, I tell people I'm uh, too stubborn to give up and, too broke to quit. So 
That's what we've been doing for the last 32 years. And we've had a, a, a great run at it. We've had a lot of fun. Started out doing renovation and restoration of historic courses and uh, what we could pick up as we went along. And here we are, I guess we're on project number 150 something, I guess by now, maybe we've worked and consulted on over 200 courses. And um, we, you know, we, we've done a lot of new coursework and we've done a lot of historic coursework and um, a lot of renovation restoration. We've done a lot of practice facilities and um, kind of made a, a niche there. So, um, we're, uh, we continue to pursue it. And at this point in, in my career, I've been in the ASGCA now for over 16 years. I decided to wait and get in that uh, all on my own body of work. And um, we're, we're still having fun. I get up every day and I'm jazzed to go to work. And that's kind of where we are. That's fantastic. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on a little bit, too, with uh, your background is how your, your military experienced helped you in the golf course architecture field I, I always found that fascinating well you know field artillery is a is an endeavor where you're you're looking at things from you know a ten thousand foot view if you will um you're 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 assessing terrain on a on a on a on a regional aspect and and when you're doing that you're looking at at 30 and 40 mile views of things and you're assessing terrain down to a battlefield view. And it's similar um, when you're looking at troop movement and, and massing um, uh, people and, and fire on a, on, a, on a certain piece of ground. So when I left field artillery school, my first assignment was straight to Fort Bragg, North Carolina and, and and they put me in an infantry division. So um, I spent the next 23 years uh, with a contingency mission with the 82nd Airborne, and I was in an infantry division. So um, I, I did terrain an analysis, and I, I, similar to Alistair McKenzie, I became a, a camouflage expert, and I, I did troop movements and and uh, had to read terrain on a almost daily basis. So that's what we did. And uh, I became an expert at, at reading Topo. And uh, that's that, that I, I see that in, in the 3D world. And uh, I, I was particularly valuable to, to my to, to my guy, Algie Pulley, because he was a Coast Guard officer and he was an extraordinarily good terrain analyst and himself and he could read terrain very well. And so I think probably one of the most valuable things that I brought to his organization was I could read Topo about as well as he could. And um, so when he would give me an assignment, I would take the Topo and I, I was, I guess, equal to the task as he was at, uh, at routing and at and helping him figure out the grand scheme of things, whether we were doing a subdivision golf course or whether we were doing just a standalone golf course. And I, I could figure my way around pretty well. So uh, it was that military training in, in, um, in reading uh, topography that, that, that I guess got me my first job, if you will. I mean, that was my, my, my real only 
skill going into the business. So I think he recognized that. And plus I was pretty, um, I was, I was pretty engaged in getting into the business. I, I had a real love for the game and the history of the game. So I, I guess I pestered him long enough to get into the business and he finally <laughs> uh, gave me a shot at it. But I think that was the real only real innate skill I brought to it uh, other than passion. Right. So, That's very cool. I love so, that. Lester. So after you had built a few courses in your business is often successful, how did, how did Kinlock come about um, and that opportunity? And is that, that's gotta be, is that your favorite course you are designed or is that your, you think is that your best? Um, well, I think, I think a lot of architects will tell you their, their best course better be their next one. So, <laughs> and I think that that's the way I feel. Um, there's, there's always things that you want to do better the next time. And, but Kinlock, um, <clears throat> the day I went out on my own, I went to, uh, seems like the day I went out on my own, I, I went down to Benny Giles office and I said, you know, if you'll just, uh, just uh, keep me in mind. And if you hear of anything that anybody wants to do, maybe uh, maybe put my name out there and uh, I'll 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 uh, I'll do the best I can. If you'll if you'll. Just uh, recommend me for little jobs if you hear them now and then and I'll uh, I'll stay in touch. And he said, you go get them. So he was pretty supportive from the very beginning. And uh, I had already done. Um, a lot of work in Williamsburg and I found another site in Williamsburg when I did the colonial that was up, up and running and I found another unique site in Williamsburg and um, I asked Vinny if he would be interested in designing it with me and it was another public golf course opportunity and it was really um, it was an old uh, sand mine hmm. and uh he said, well, let's go just take a look at it. So we, I routed it and we, we took a look at it and we put together, uh, we showed it to some investors and um, he really liked it. And I thought we were off and running on it. And lo and behold, they got involved in it and they ended up hiring another architect. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny was pretty upset. And wow. I was too. So we didn't get the job. Um what did that end up getting built? It did. What what, uh, golf, it, what golf course is it? <laughs> it was, was Kiskiak. Oh uh, man. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's another story, but you know, we all <laughs> ended up being friends. But it 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 I think it I think it d demonstrated to Vinny that you know no no job safe till you get the paperwork signed. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> say it's we're 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 fortunate Vinny didn't uh give up you know, golf course design after that one incident. Well, huh? I mean, he was, he was, he was surprised and I was too, but <clears throat> later on, fast forward to about 1995 and Vinny called me up and he said, would you be interested in working on a project with me? And I said, absolutely. What, what, what do you got? And he said, well, it's a, another high end daily fee golf course right here in the West end of Richmond. And I said, great. So uh, he said, well, go over and meet with um, C.B. Robertson, and he's got an engineer already, and it's a, 
a big piece of property and it's going to be a high-end daily fee golf course associated with West Creek, the commercial development there uh, in Gooseland. And I said, great. So I went over and picked up the topo and um, CB asked me to see if I could kind of master plan an 18-hole golf course uh, that was going to be associated with West Creek, the commercial development. And that was 1995. So um, CB wanted a, a routing done and I did one routing and thing through the cut line through the property and Denny and I went and walked it and we made one little change and that was it. And then later on after we cleared, everybody saw, I, I kept telling everybody how good I thought it was, better than anything I had seen in this part of the state. And finally, Vinny went to CB and said, I really think this could be a great equity club. And he changed CB's mind and it became an equity club and that became Kinlock. And I re I redesigned it for wider fairways and bent grass and you know more irrigation. And that's when it became private and that's when it became Kinlock. So uh, it was Vinny's idea to wow. Re rethink it into, uh, even though I kept telling him I thought it was better than a, a daily fee golf course, but mm -hmm. so that's what evolved. And, 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 and Vinny and I, we had such a good time designing it. And we, you know, although, you know, we we're both um, kind of, I guess, um, we're both pretty strong willed, but everybody thought we would, clash in that idea but we never did we didn't have a contentious word the whole process two years wow uh, because all i ever wanted to do was get him to tell me what a shot maker's thought process would be and if he would do that then you know and he all he ever said was i don't know anything about design i don't know anything about what goes through your mind but I can tell you what goes through mine. And I said, you just tell me that and I'll tell you how drainage works and I'll tell you how <laughs> this works and that works. And we just, we just cruised through it and had a blast and it, and it became what it is. And to this day, I mean, we were out there last week looking at one thing at Kinlock that we might want to change just a little bit. Um, and we do, we do it constantly. I mean, whatever is going on at Kinlock, we're still, involved in the day-to-day -day thought process of do we want to expand this tea? Do we want to move this bunker? I mean, we, you know, we've we've evolved into, you know, we've got the 2024 mid-am and we've made some changes. We've we've had to adapt bunkers that are no longer valid from 22 years ago. Right. Right. I mean, people sure. hit it so much further now. Some of the bunkers out there just they're just not in the right place. So we've we've made changes. We have a master plan that's we're in our eighth year of a of a 10 of a year master plan that we're modifying things as we go. So, you know, John, we've we've made little changes. We made changes before the 2011 senior amateur. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's. To answer your question, Trey, I mean, it's it is certainly one of the big breaks of my career to get that job and 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 certainly put our our new course development um, 
progress on the map for us and has led to other projects for us. And um, certainly one of the best golf courses we've ever designed because it's a perfect piece of terrain. I mean, you, yeah. you just, you gotta, you gotta make sure not to mess up a piece of per- terrain that good. You gotta right. really be careful. But I mean, I never had one time on that project where Vinny said, no, I want to do it this way because I'm a, I'm a great player. He never, <laughs> never did any of that. And I never said, Vinny, I want to do it this way because I know more about strategy than you do. I mean, it just never, we never had that kind of conversation. It was just always, what do you think? And here's why I'd like to do it this way because of this or that. And then, and we just got through it like that. And we, I think he said it was the most fun he's ever had in golf. And that's, I'm proud of that. So, and I'll tell you one more thing and you can, you guys can use this or not. Um, <laughs> Lynx magazine did an article some years back that's the, the 18 greatest collaborations in golf history. And we were included in that. And we were compared to Jones and McKenzie because he was, Jones was the great amateur player of his time. And then he, a lot of people think is a great amateur player since the greatest since Jones. And they, you know, compared McKenzie being the the military officer that was the terrain analyst and the the guy who was great at camouflage. And they drew that link to me and Vinny and said that we were similar in that regard. And just to be mentioned as one of the great collaborations of all time was a big thrill for me. And I think it was for Vinny, too. And so we were thrilled that we were included in that Um, because, you know, who knows if we'll ever collaborate on another one we've talked about it but we haven't done one yet but uh right but i certainly oh, would that's... like to do it we had a, such a great time doing it that's fantastic i love the comparison we will absolutely leave that in i think that's that's really special and very cool um i love to hear that Vinny said it was you know for a guy who played in the masters <laughs> you know over a half a dozen times to say that was the most fun he ever had in golf and winning the u.s amateur british amateur i mean that's pretty cool I, I i think that's fantastic and yeah trey and i will assuredly be going out for that uh, you mentioned the 2024 u.s mid amateur will be at kenlock and um hopefully at least uh at least either trey or i make it so that the other one can caddy for the other one <laughs> that, exactly. that, that would be fantastic that'd be so, great i would love to see you guys yeah um compete yeah even if even if I don't make it, uh, I'll be out there in some form or fashion. Maybe I'll try to get a bag. So I uh, spent, uh, for those who don't know, um, since we're talking about Kenlock, I, I spent a few years right out of college caddying there. And it's just a fantastic course that never gets old. There's all kinds of strategy and options. And um, what a fantastic golf course it is. And you mentioned the practice facility there, Lester. Um, you know, it's been rated as high as number one in the country various times from various publications. And uh, perhaps led to you being known as really a practice facility guru. You've done all kinds of work for various practice facilities. Um, what what are maybe some of the other projects in that space, particularly that you've uh, you've completed that you're proud of, or um, things well, maybe in the, I, or or things maybe in the works in that regard? I um I you know I started early in my career. The first course I ever did uh, on my own was the Colonial down in Williamsburg, and that had a three-hole practice facility, 1990. Nobody was really concentrating on it that much. Um, And it it was at a public golf course, and it had its own little academy building and everything. And 
people were like, why would you do that? And it <laughs> kind of caught on and people started building practice facilities. And I've been doing it for literally 30 years. And so I've built, you know, and later on came Kenlock and it, like you said, became fairly well known. And, and we've done them at a high level since, and we we've done them all around the country and we're, we're, we're doing them all around the country. Now I'm working in, I'm building practice facilities in at Hallbrook in Kansas city. I'm building a, a standalone practice facility, hopefully coming up in San Antonio. That's going to be 50 acres. Um, that's going to have entertainment value and it's going to have, you know, the, all the lights, camera action, it's going to be lit at night. It's going to have music. It's going to have a Texas dance hall in it. It's going to have a brewery. <laughs> uh, it's going to be, you know, a standalone facility, but it's for a PGA professional that teaches all the high school kids, all the junior high kids, a lot of the college players. So he's a well-established PGA professional. He's had this vision and I've been working with him for five years. So I think we're getting ready to finally break ground on that. Um, I'm getting ready to build a brand new practice facility in, in Florida at a private club that has a nine hole reversible uh, par three course in their driving range and short game area. I'm building a new practice facility at, in, at uh, Audubon Country Club in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a 113 year old club uh, and they don't have a very good practice facility now. So we're, we're making room for one coming up here in the future, but we're building them a short game area now. And we just built them a um, an entertainment putting green that's 22,000 square feet. That's got all the, again, it's lit at night. It has music. It has all the stuff that the kids like to play, but so do the adults. They're out there till midnight uh, playing uh, and probably having some adult beverages as well. <laughs> Um, so we're, we're, we're doing practice facilities everywhere. And we just, as you know, upgraded Kenlocks, uh, 18 months ago and added two, two new, uh, bays to the practice building. Um, and it's just something that we've been involved with long enough that now we're going around the country. And even if we're not working on the golf course, we're being called to upgrade practice facilities. So it's right. something I've had a long history of doing and, uh, I I like doing them, and um, I'm getting calls just to come do their practice facilities. And it's a lot of people. It's practice has evolved in just the last seven to ten years into a, a total total cottage industry um, at daily fee municipal and private clubs. I mean, it's um, it's it's all the rage, and you've seen what's happened with Top Golf and and Drive Shack and even that, I mean, it's becoming an entertainment industry as well. So, you know, you can, you can install top tracer and top golf at your private club range now and have all the, the technology you want with the member right on his phone. And so when you have that kind of information and you're, you're a good player, you guys know what I'm talking about. When you have that kind of ability right in your handheld phone, you know, now that leads to better play, better practice, better learning. So now the technology is starting to drive that. So we're up to speed on all of that stuff and working with all of the 
technological advances and putting it in our ranges and people are just, they just want what's out there. So they see that on TV when they're watching the tour guys play and they're, they're seeing all of that technology and people want that. So they go to their range at their club or at their, at their course. And if they have that ability, they want it built in. So that's what we're doing. I love it. That's fantastic. You, uh, you talked about you, you working at some pretty old clubs um, and you've done several renovation projects. What's that, what's it like to, to, be tasked with restoring to like a Seth Rayner and what are some challenges that people might not realize about restoring a golf course back to a, you know, quote unquote original design? Well, it's a great question, uh, Trey. There's always, I tell people there's, you know, there are some challenges right out of the box. There are people who say they want to, strict restoration they want to go back to what it was before because it's been tinkered with and i'm telling you right now there's not a golf course on this planet that has not been tinkered with over time <laughs> if it's old enough it's been touched um and that's that's just the facts i mean they've all been touched and some for the better and some for the worse um but there's always a point of departure and and that is the game has changed. We don't play with balls stuffed with feathers anymore. And we don't play with, you know, we play with steel shafts and we play with, you know, different equipment. So yeah, everything's been touched. We don't, we don't uh, play on the same ground that we used to play with. We have irrigation systems now. So <clears throat> when I go to a club and there's always a faction that says, we want to take it back to what it was in the, old days. Um, my first question is, well, what do you mean by that? And there's always one or two people that say, well, we want to take it back to what it used to be. Okay, well, let's define that. It used to be that your greens ran three on the stent meter. Is that what you want to do? Well, now there's always a point of departure Trey, there's no, nobody wants to put on greens that ran three on the stent meter and nobody wants to put on greens that have 7% slope in them. Yeah. Because if your greens have 7% slope in them, you can't put modern mowers on them. Mm. Right. So there's always a point of departure. So now let's get realistic. You've played Cavalier. Yep. Right. Did you ever play it before I restored it? No. Okay. So. That's where back in the day, those greens had five and six percent slope in them. Yeah. When I got there, 15 of those greens were on their original grades that Charles Banks left in 1929. And you couldn't mow them faster than about eight on the stent meter because the ball wouldn't stay on. So when I got there, the, the object of the drill was to leave those greens in my mind. You had to leave those greens on all of his original compounds, but take what was a green that was six or seven percent and change it to two and a half percent without changing the surround because the surrounds are genius. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. All the bunkering was great, but you know, the eighth green is that birthday cake and it's got that island all the way around it. That's his, that's Seth Rainer, CB McDonald, Charles Banks' perfect short hole. The seventh hole is a perfect example. 
so many of those greens are what banks left. You don't want to you don't want to mess that up. But you got to adjust the contour in the, at the top to make sure it's playable now. So now what we did was we went in and cored those greens out and just manipulated the top. We made it a USGA profile green and made sure that we could run them at 11 and a half on the stent meter by just changing it from five or 6% to two and a half percent or 2%. And that's what we did. We did that in 2002. So <clears throat> that's a restoration. That's a sympathetic restoration to Charles Bay. Now, the other three greens that had been manipulated over time and changed significantly, I put back to what we had from aerial photographs and other things that we could tell. We put those back to what they used to be. The 18th hole at Cavalier is a perfect example. That was his Redan. You know, that was a great hole. It had been changed over time. And we put it back to pretty much what we thought we could. Um, you know, it's inside the Chesapeake Bay Preservation Area now. So me putting it back to all the way back out on the water and putting a bunker right there within 15 feet of the shoreline. <laughs> you're not going to do that. I got the front one in, but I couldn't get the back one in. The Ches Bay Act people wouldn't let me. So <laughs> that, green, did the best. That, green huh? used, that green used to be further out. No, no, there was a bunker right behind it that went right to the edge. There wasn't a bulkhead, but okay. I wanted to put it back in there. Now, I think I can get it in there now, but we'll see. Now, Tom Tom asked me that he he asked me to deliver a question about I, I we were playing the other day because he that he grew up in that golf course and he I'm sure had a bunch of questions for you, but he wanted to talk about a bunker on 17. The fairway bunker, the cross bunker on 17. Was that was that changed or did someone force your hand in changing that or something? Was what was what was the change to that to that big bunker down um on 17? The Cavalier? Yeah. The one on the left? The one on the left, yeah. Okay, so that's his cape hole. Okay. That's that's McDonald's and Rainer's. Cape hole and McDonald is the one that invented the cape hole. That's not one of their original templates. So um, there was a bunker there back in the 20s. As far back as we can find a picture, there was a bunker there. I put it back in. Yeah. The club took it out <laughs> at some point. That's right. Yes. Exactly. I put oh, it back man. in and uh, if you're on the wrong tee, it's it's it gets your attention. Yeah, it's, it was. Tom said it was it was tough. He said it's if, tough. If you hit it in there, you almost certainly were not hitting it on the green. That's correct. With like an with like an eight iron in your hand, so that's <laughs> right. that's, that's what he wanted to know about because he 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 thinks that bunker should definitely be there. It is well, and you know what he he's he's a, he's a pretty good player, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, the members really don't like it <laughs> and if you know you know donald ross always said that um the the best and most well-placed bunkers are the ones people don't like the most yeah because that's in their way um i'm paraphrasing but um yeah, that's the one they they hate because it's right in the way of where they want to go. So now they've got to play either around it or over it. So if you play around it, now you've got a longer shot. 
it's 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 very well placed and um yeah i put it back and they've been wanting me to the really good players at cavalier say it is never coming out (laughs) the other people who the problem is there are people who don't want to play the tee that are supposed to play on so they're still playing too far back and they can't quite get it over so they got to play out to the right Anyway, yeah, that that's that's the perfect Cape bunker, and the, the original Cape hole is the fifth at Mid Ocean in Bermuda. So mm. that's that's his original Cape hole. Ah, yeah. Okay. So um, anyway, yeah, it's a controversial bunker, and I'm uh, I'm uh, I can tell you that uh, it's probably not coming out ever. But they've asked me. I did. I did. We did put um, a better liner system in it, so the sand wouldn't wash, but it's. It's there to stay. <laughs> that was put in, I think, uh, 2000. Well, it was put in in 2002, but it was um, modified slightly in 2018. Was, was the base lowered? Room. Yeah, I lowered the back the back of it. I lowered the, the crest of it just a little bit and cut about 10 feet off the right-hand side. And that was only for drainage. It wasn't to give them a break. Gotcha. So I tell you what, the the, the stack sod bunkers there, right? right? In Virginia, uh, that that uh, I, bunkers. That was a little bit of artistic license there. They really wanted that <laughs> on fourteen on their road bunker. Yeah, and uh, I, I stuck it in on eighteen just because the that's the kind of the shoulder bunker on the on the Redan. Yeah. Um. Thank you for noticing. I love that. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for noticing. Um, they they're very proud of those. The one that you know, especially the one on 14 when you're driving in, they think that's kind of a signature point. 100. percent Thank you. Rosie looks like he's frozen there. I don't know if we lost him. But to answer your Good question, stuff. Um, the restoration so of, those, of McDonald and Rayner and Banks, uh, you know, restoring Cavalier is what got me the interview at the Greenbrier. Really? And that's what got me the, you know, the old white. Yeah. Those two are what got me Gibson Island, which I'm restoring now. I'm doing one. I just did one hole. And now I think we're going to go do the other eight, which is another interesting old golf course. 1925. That? That's up in Maryland. Uh, in the Chesapeake Bay. Very cool. Yeah. You'd love that story. We'll tell it another time. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, really into <laughs> those guys. And. Uh, truth be known, I'm building a brand new golf course in the mountains of North Carolina that's all going to be McDonald Rainer. The owner wants all the template holes, and we're uh, getting ready to break ground on that, hopefully in January. Very cool. So, yeah. So that's, my next, that's my next new course, John. That's right. That's right. I uh, I was hoping we'd get to touch on that. So, um, yeah, that that's, a, that's fantastic. So, you know, we've mentioned a few of your your highlighted works that you've gotten a lot of acclaim for, Kenlock, the Old White, Cavalier. Uh, we haven't touched on Ballyhack. That that build probably merits its own podcast, and we'll certainly do that at a later time because Ballyhack is one of my favorite courses in Virginia. But uh, what are maybe some either renovations or restorations, um, you know, outside of Virginia, maybe that you feel Maybe they're a bit under the radar, underrated, you could even say, that maybe um, we should take a closer look at. 
Well, there's certainly two that stand out um, of late. I mean, Vestavia Country Club in Birmingham, Alabama, um, is certainly kind of struck gold here lately. Uh, I got hired there in 2011. We uh, we did six years of planning. Um, wow. It was a long process. 950-member club. Um, probably the best site in Birmingham. Uh, everybody in Birmingham, all the other prominent clubs are kind of down in the in the hole down in the valleys this place is 1100 feet up on a on a mountain and it has the best views uh, of 25 30 mile views um even though they had kind of lost track of that because they had so many trees they couldn't see much um <clears throat> i competed really hard for the job i was kind of the dark horse uh, and got the job, and we did the long planning process. We broke ground in 2017. Um, we got nominated for best. There was a best renovation category at that time, but then they we we nominated, and they stopped the best renovation category. But the people at Golf Digest told me to go ahead and nominate for best new. And I was like, but it's a renovation. And they said, <laughs> well, we think you've changed enough of the golf course that it's a brand new course. And I'm like, really? And it won best new course in the country. And it just set those people on fire. And during the construction, they sold 170 new memberships. And to date, they've sold probably almost close to 300, 290 some odd new memberships. Wow. And they have turned the entire market down there on on its ear um they have been written up as one of the extraordinary case studies for for um financial success in the country i mm. mean went right through covid selling memberships went right through the little mini coming out of the recession process uh it's been written up uh, by the asgca my organization um, and by, I think, Golf Inc. magazine is another, maybe it wasn't, uh, maybe don't quote me on that, but um, it's been written up a couple of times as a financial success model. Um, they are just flying right now. Um, when I got there, they had maybe 25 kids in their junior golf program. Now they have like 200. <laughs> um, it's just uh, been a huge success. Um, and I'm getting ready to go down there and probably build them a brand new practice facility, um, which we didn't have room for before, but now it looks like we're going to. And also we're going to take another look at their, they have a 14 acre short course, nine hole par three course, which I think I told you was the only other par three course George Cobb ever built other than Augusta Nationals. <laughs> and it is spectacular hanging off this face of this mountain, all in rock outcroppings that are just, huge i mean huge so it is a very very well publicized and um, we're very proud of what we got accomplished there the other one of note is country club of florida which is a extraordinarily hidden gem that nobody gets to see or hear or play because it's 
extraordinarily private, armed guards at the gate. Nobody <laughs> gets in. Nobody hears about it, sees about it. I think it's top 10 in Florida. I redid it in 2006. Um, and it was going to be nominated for best new um, or best renovation, best new, whatever. And uh, the club said, don't bother. We won't let the Raiders in to see it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Uh, but now it's starting to climb in the ratings because of the word of mouth has gotten out in 15 years. And uh, I'm getting ready to rebuild that again because, you know, in Florida, every 15 or so years, you got to redo your greens because of the massive amounts of uh, organics that they put on there. They mean they top dress every two weeks down there. So I'm getting ready to take those down again. There's probably 10 or 12 inches of, of top dressing on those greens. So I'm taking them down starting May 1 and uh, redoing the greens and redoing the bunkers and making a few modifications, um, probably regressing. We're going to we're going to regress the approaches and the greens. Obviously, if you're taking them down that far, new irrigation heads. So it's you know it's a it's a pretty large project, and then redoing their whole short game area and their whole range. So, Country Club Florida has a that that has an interesting backstory too, right? Um, yeah, was, there's an Augusta connection, correct? Yes. So the first general manager, the man that developed it, was a guy named Carlton Blunt. He was a Chicago uh, gentleman who was instrumental in starting the, the Evans Scholarship with Chick Evans, um, was a member of Augusta National, uh, decided to send Robert Bruce Harris, the original architect from Chicago, down to Florida and said, find us a piece of property that has some terrain in it anywhere in South Florida, and uh, we're going to build our version of Augusta National. It's going to have cabins. It's going to have everything, except we'll probably have a few homes, too. Bruce Harris goes down there, finds the site, um, uh, tells him that he's going to charge him $50,000 a year for 25 years. That's his design fee. And that's 1956, so that makes it the first million-dollar-plus design fee in the history of golf course architecture that we know of. And uh, goes down there and starts building it, and a guy named James Searle, who was the general manager at Augusta National, leaves Augusta National and go down there and be the first general manager of the Country Club of Florida. And Clifford Roberts gets upset. <laughs> kicks Carlton Blunt out of Augusta National <laughs> for soliciting his manager and his members. Anyway, that, check, that checks out. That sounds like Clifford. <laughs> yeah. So Lester, I actually, my grandparents are members at Quail Ridge and I've, I lived there for a year and a half, right? Like, I mean, a hundred yards from the. Yeah. Right across the street. It, yeah. And I've never. Well, actually, actually Blunt owned all that land at yeah. one time. Mm. I bet they own 3000 acres at one time. Yep. And then, so I, I also used to caddy at pine tree and I've, I've, which is right there as well. And I've, I've still never played CCF. Oh I, my gosh. I, probably could. I know, I know enough members that are there and pine tree. So I probably could, but I just haven't, I haven't done it yet. Well, you could be my guest. Anyway. <laughs> I'm telling you that it's the most incredible thing you've ever seen. 
I am I am so another course I was told I would never get that job. In my life, I would never get that job. Anyway, worked out that I did, and it's uh, it's extraordinary. The the routing is so solid. The the it's and it's a subdivision golf course, 160 homes inside the fence. Um, uh, it's you know uh, uh, Johnny Farrell was their first touring pro. Uh, Glenna Colette Vare was a member there, who was one of the most incredible women golfers ever. Um, uh, I, I can't tell you how good their golf course is. Mm. It's just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and it does have two big major sand dunes that runs through it. So it's real terrain. Uh, it's, it, it's it, Robert Bruce Harris believed that you could have a perfect sequence in the routing. And it, it has the perfect sequence. You never play the same part twice in a row, except for nine and 10, because you know, you finish on nine with a four and start on 10 with a four. But other than that, it's it's just extraordinary. And yes, you have to see it. You guys do have to see it. And I'm I'll telling you, you I'll, be, I'll be living right. I'll be living in Delray this this coming season. So that's right. Uh, well, I'll be there. Fantastic. I mean, I'll be there this fall for meetings. You, you just consider it done. Love it. And you got to bring you got to bring John and Tom. <laughs> Absolutely. That'll be there. there. There's our foursome. Boom. There we go. We got to do it. I love I mean, it. I can't play Dead in a Cowboy movie, but I'm telling you, you guys, <laughs> we will have fun. Wow, I'm, I'm excited. Awesome. I'm excited. It, it, this place is tough. Hey, I, I told Lester, I told Trey and Tom I was coming down to Florida this winter to see him, and now I know priority number one on our itinerary. So, <laughs> so is there anything you can tell us about that you have? in the either distant or near future that you're excited about other than the one up in, up in North Carolina that, with all the templates, do you have anything else on your radar that, or do you have anything well, that you, if, if you had your druthers, you could go and a project you could go have or one of your own that you could redo? Um, well, I don't want to gloss over the, the new one in North Carolina, but I think you guys are going to, I think you guys, it's exciting because I've been working on it for 12 years. The guy shelved it. He had the vision of doing McDonald Rayner before anyone else had in this country had the vision of doing McDonald Rayner before anyone mentioned Lido before anyone mentioned the thing at Arcadia Bluffs. Right. I mean, seriously, this this guy had the vision, and I wish he'd have squeezed the trigger in 2012 when we had permits, but he didn't. So, um, it's 900 acres. There are no homes. It has all the template holes. We've worked really hard at getting them so hard that if it wasn't on his property, he'd go buy the property that the right hole is on. <laughs> so I sent, I sent John the rowdy. Yeah. When you see it, Trey, you're going to see some really incredible golf holes. If you know anything about McDonald Rainer and, you know, Redans and Biarritz's and Eden's and Alps and road holes, my road hole even has a road. <laughs> so I mean it's 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 really good. And that 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 road bunker is going to be like the one at Cavalier and even more more diabolical. It's it's going to be just like the one at St. Andrews. So that that that's called contentment and it's it's in it's full it's full book speed ahead now. And so we're gonna re redo our permits. I'm finishing up the plans. We're gonna bid the job here this fall. Is that going to be like national spring. membership 
private club? Yes. Yeah. Yes. National Private Destination Club. That's exactly what. Uh, like Ballyhack. Yeah. Uh, like Sutton Bay, like Sand Hills. Yeah. Uh, and that's really exciting because there just aren't a lot of new clubs being built. Right. Um, <clears throat> then, and I think you guys should chronicle that. I think you guys should be the guys that chronicle that. I don't want to give it over to those other guys. You know <laughs> who I'm talking about. We'd be honored to. I mean, I think you should. I think we should get you to meet with the owners here soon so that there's not the usual suspects. I think you guys should take a whack at that. Yeah, would love to do that. Um, that's North Carolina. But I'm in that. I'm in that state right now. I'm down in the Outer Banks, but that's yeah. That would be. Uh, that would be I it. mean, it's in your yard. I mean, it's right there in the top. You know, the northwest corner. It's right there in Eden, in in Elkin. Anyway, and then I just got off the phone uh, at six o'clock with my, or at seven o'clock, six o'clock central. I've got these two young kids. I mentioned of the John the other day. They're, I mean, young kids. They're 23 and 24. They want to build a private national destination club. They're green as a <laughs> gourd. <laughs> uh, they're great kids, though. They're really not your typical 20-somethings. They're old soul kind of kids. They've been raised properly. They're they're smart. They're polite they're just not what i see in most 20 year olds now <clears throat> they have said to me you pick the site which is every architect's dream Trey. Mm. yeah you pick the site anywhere from where you live to miami or even around to biloxi mississippi we'll go around the gulf coast and we're we're looking at sites um can be in the mountains or it can be on the coast or it can be anything unique that you find. And so we're actively looking at sites. We have four or five that we're looking at right now. Um, we think it's going to be coastal South Carolina, coastal Georgia, coastal Florida. Um, it could be mountains. It could be they've seen Ballyhack. They've seen Kenlock. They've seen other places. Um, but it's exciting because they've given me the opportunity to pick a site anywhere in a 10,000 square mile area. <laughs> when you think about it, architect's dream, like you said. Yeah, it's just, that's just. Are these guys golfers or where? Yeah, yeah, they're both, you know, they're not as good as you two, but they're good players. They're, you know, they're fives and they just want to build a club for their friends and they got a lot of money. <laughs> Clearly. You know, and, you know, I don't know if they have all of it right now, but they're, they've got some friends that can probably do it. And they're, they just want me to guide them through the process and oh, cool. I'm going to do it. Another opportunity for you guys to chronicle it. Yeah, absolutely. that could be. I mean, and I'm talking about getting in. They, they can barely spell golf. <laughs> they're good kids. They And they're entrusting me and I'm going to put them in with all the right consultants. And we're going to, this is something that you guys could be, Weigh in on the branding. You could be weighing on the front and help them. And so I see it as an opportunity for you guys to be. In, and, and, and so, you know, our development partners probably or development manager is probably going to be somebody like LUI, who's going to be our development manager at Contentment. They're already signed up. I mean, 
they built Ballyhack with me. They were my partner at Ballyhack because they got all the back of house skills. They got all the construction skills. They got all the management skills. So, you know, they built 35 projects for me. So they're family. So right. anyway, we don't even have a name yet. <laughs> or a site. <laughs> well, you we have a site. Or a state. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so, so exciting. That's really exciting. And, and we, you know, I kind of toyed around with finding something that's going out of business, but I don't even want that. I don't even want somebody else's problem. I mean, there was one I would have looked at, but it's gone already. So mm. eh. you guys know of something? You know, 500 acres, 600 acres that fits the mold? Think about what, it. I was just, just driving down here and there's this big old piece of land that just got auctioned off for for nothing uh on the intercoastal waterway down in north carolina but i think it might be a little too remote but if they want remote it's pretty remote no 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 remote is the key mm. yeah there's there's some great land down here in north carolina i know there's, there's keep, your, keep thinking on it I got <laughs> i've been i've been uh i've been looking Trey, down here trey's gonna be on google earth all day tomorrow i love it already there <laughs> he's already there he's already there Perfect. All right, Lester, uh, thank you so much for your time. We've talked about a bunch of great stuff and uh, I'm excited to to dive deeper into your career and talk kind of, you know, we'll do a full episode on each of these great golf courses that you've had your hand in. Um, but just wanted to say thanks for coming on and this will uh, wrap up our show for, for tonight. Thank you, guys. I really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, I can't uh, wait to get in deeper with what you guys are doing. You guys are doing a lot for golf and my pleasure to be on and look forward to the next episodes. Awesome. And fantastic. Thanks so much for your time and everyone have a good night. All right. Thank y'all. you. See you later. Bye.